Hey friends, and welcome back to my podcast. Welcome to 2020, and I guess season two, which is extremely exciting. Yes, I'm in the UK at the moment for my year abroad, and I am very, very excited to finally bring you this episode where I will be talking you through the books I read in 2019. It's just going to be an episode with myself just talking through the books, but I think I'm going to split it into two parts. The first part, I'm going to talk through the actual book. I read last year. Then the second part, I'll talk about books that I've finished so far in 2020 and things that I hope to read in the coming year. And I'm going to chuck in a couple of podcast episode recommendations as well because I feel like books and podcasts often really go well together. So without further ado, let's jump right on in. Alrighty, let's get started. So, hello, this is me, Danny. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, this is I, this is how I sound. And this podcast is called A Dose of Danny, which I realized I should have introduced at the beginning in the intro, but I did not because I was so excited about saying that it was 2020, just because, you know, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? I usually have a guest with me. But today, I just thought I would really like to record an episode about the books that I've read in 2019, like I mentioned. So, just to give you a little bit of an intro into what I will be talking about, I read six books last year, which for me, I think was a pretty good achievement. See me as though, like, I used to read a lot more when I was in primary, primary school, but this was before, like, I had Netflix. This was before like YouTube and things like that was so much more accessible.、Um, and I hear about like influencers and different people reading 50 books, 100 books in the whole year, which I think is just absolutely crazy. But I do have to say, 2019 was a really jam packed year just with my work and、uh, uni commitments and study and life in general. So For me, I'm really chuffed that I was able to get through these books. And especially like East West Street and Body Becomes a Score, I'll go into more detail about it in a bit. Those two books were really, really chunky and long. So the fact that I got through them, I'm pretty like happy with myself. So let me list the books that I read. So sorry if you hear some sticky sounds, it's just my sticky notes. And、um, I'm a little bit sniffly just with the. Uh, hay fever, which is kind of classic because I'm kind of recording this in the morning lunchtime period and it takes a while for me to like warm up. Anyway, I am just going on about something not important. So, book number one I read Any Ordinary Day by Lee Sales. Book number two, Text Me When You Get Home by Kayleen Schaefer. Book number three, East West Street by Not sure if it's Philip Sands or Philippe Sands, but spelling wise, I think it's Philippe. Becoming by Michelle Obama, of course. The Body Becomes the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. <laughs> And finally, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, a Korean American author, which is pretty cool. So, how this is going to work is I'm just going to talk you through each of the books, just kind of. Bounce off what I remember and what I overall felt about it.、Um, it's not going to be a particularly long episode, so I don't want to go on too long about each of the books, but I think it would be nice just to share my honest opinions. And especially if you listening have、um, 
read one of these books, it'd be great to just like have a conversation about it afterwards and stuff like that as well. So to start off with, Any Ordinary Day by Lee Sales, who is an ABC, I believe, writer, and she's quite well respected within the country and I'm pretty sure abroad as well. But I really, really enjoyed this book. Um, I have it in a hard copy. And so obviously I don't have it with me here in my room um, in the UK. But it's a book that when I go back home, I want to read again, like hard copy. Like I contemplated buying it on my Kindle. Um, but <laughs> I think that would just be a bit of a waste. I This is some a book that I want to read like hard copy. So just a little side note, I got my Kindle for my 19th birthday um, in August. So the books that I've read, um, the first three at least, I read like hard copy. And then the other three I read on my Kindle. So it kind of splits evenly like that. Anyway, back to Any Ordinary Day. Essentially, this book is about what happens after the worst day of your life. So it puts together these incredible stories of different people that have gone through great adversity and what their mental and physical process was like in terms of healing and really like fighting through that difficult um, circumstance and difficult circumstances. A lot of these stories, it's not even just one event. It's like multiple different things that happen. And I think if you're someone that perhaps has never gone through like a life-changing or traumatic event it's a very eye-opening book to see um, how resilient the human body and the human mind truly is for someone who has gone through a life-changing or traumatic event or something along the lines of that it's something that I'm sure you will find a lot of comfort and you we will be able to relate with it a lot so for my family and for me personally, having lost a parent when I was very young due to illness, it's obviously something that has literally altered the course of my like life and the path that I've kind of taken from that moment onwards. Um, so for me to read this book, it was very, very, um, I don't know, I could relate to it a lot. And I found Lee Sales writing really beautiful. She writes very um in a very like beautiful descriptive manner, um, yet very like respectful and very precise as well. And so I found this like I think I finished this pretty quickly. Um I read it in January, so it's been a year. So I don't remember the exact stories to be honest, hence why I want to read it again. But I think after you finish a book, if you like get this sense of relief or this kind of weird you're in this weird limbo or in this weird kind of numb feeling I think that's a really good sign um and this I definitely had this when I was um when I finished the book so and the fact that I want to read it again and again and again I think is a really good sign so that was any ordinary day um it's obviously not like a light read the stories are pretty intense and some of them you're like wow um, but it covers all these different stories. Like you have stories about people that went through like an absolute catastrophic accident. I think there's one story about a man who like was trapped in the snow for a while and it's like quite a well-known story. And then there's ones about like people, oh yeah, it was like a couple and it was like an avalanche and one of them survived and one of them didn't. And then there's stories about uh, illness in the family and et cetera, et cetera. So 
if it's uh, if you're ready to kind of read something that's a little bit more on the emotional side, I highly recommend Any Ordinary Day by the legendary Lee Sales. Moving on to the next book, this was Text Me When You Get Home by Kayleen Schaefer. Now, I think I got this uh, book like as a recommendation from a YouTuber that I watch. Um, so I was like pretty excited to read it. Um, and the way that she was talking about how, um, she found this really like relatable and very eye-opening and just a really good read. I was very keen to read it. Um, so I honestly like bought a hard copy from Dimmock's, um, in George Street in Sydney and I was super keen to read it. And I have to say out of the six books I read last year, this was by far the most underwhelming book. Um, I didn't really, I don't even remember anything about it. I think that's a really bad sign. Um, I just found it just kind of very white feminism kind of thing. So it was just very, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm literally at a loss for words, but I didn't really find the stories particularly interesting I mean, there were elements of it where I was reading and going, oh yeah, like, and it's not a very long book, so I finished it relatively quickly, um, but I just didn't enjoy it. Like, I just read it because I was hoping that there would be more substance to it. And I know I'm being quite harsh, but at the same time, when you have a title like Text Me When You Get Home, and the kind of subtext of the title talks about how, like, this is the kind of language women use with each other to ensure that you're helping one another out and you're looking out for each other in this kind of patriarchal society and so I was super excited at the this potential of really delving deep into this topic and learning more about like the intersectionality of feminism and just to feel a little bit more educated but I didn't get anything out of this book um the kind of attempt to kind of bring race into the questions and the conversations around feminism and women's empowerment and equality and rights and things like that, I just found very forced, um, not in a negative way, but just it didn't flow very well with the entire narrative of the different stories because it mainly, from memory, focuses on, like, different stories of women and, like, through going through trials and tribulations um, of like break, breaking down marriages when they're like 40 or they're in their 40s or um, stories of sexual abuse and assault and like it just didn't really mold together very well so um, I do have to say I was a little bit underwhelmed by this book um, but either way Everyone gets a different experience out of books like this, but I think for me, someone who's more aware of these um, topic areas, perhaps I was a little bit underwhelmed because I thought I really wanted to learn something new, which was not the case. Um, yes. I'm just going to take a quick little tissue break <laughs> and also to just um, get up this document because the next book, East West Street by Philip Philippe Sands, is a chunky one and because it's a technical book it's a very um legal law human uh human rights law and humanitarian law focused book the content's a little bit more chunky so i'm just going to quickly 
get up a document, quickly take a tissue break and I'll be back very soon. Like you won't even realize it because it'll just be a little, okay, I need to stop talking. Okay. See you soon. All right. I am back. So East West Street by Philippe Sands was recommended to me by Justice Applegarth, who is a Supreme Court judge of um, Queensland. And it was amazing this um, relationship I had with um, Justice Applegarth because I met him at like a state high captain's thingo um, when I was in year 12. And I somehow got in contact with him and stayed in contact with him um, throughout like the three month break before I started uni. And that's like a story for another time, but he knew that I was interested in international law and things like that. And although I wasn't going to study law at UQ, like, um, I had once thought I would, um, he still wanted me to read this book, um, as he really believed it was worthwhile. And I'm not going to lie, this took a really long time for me to come around to. When I first arrived in Sydney, I wanted to get this book and one of my mates actually bought this book for me, which was really nice of him. Um, and I didn't touch it for a while. Like I tried to read the first chapter, but it was too intense. It was too heavy and dense. I just kind of gave up. So I didn't read it in 2018 as soon as I got it. And instead, I decided to pick it up again in 2019 after finishing Text Me When You Get Home. And it took me a, rare, uh, a really, <laughs> really and very long time for me to get through the book. But I am very glad I stuck through with it because I feel like I learned so much. So I've got my laptop in front of me. And after I finished this book, I actually had like this drive in me to write this um, Google Doc um, full of information from the um, text. But just to kind of give you guys a little snippet or a little summary about what it is about, it's essentially about the legal origins of the terms genocide and crimes against humanity. Now, these are terms that we hear a lot on the news. If we think of genocide, often we think about the Rwandan genocide, crimes against humanity. We link a lot with wars and things like that. So they're terms that get tossed around in legal jargon and in legal studies classrooms and things like that a lot, including myself. I experienced it studying um, that final um, module, I guess you can call it, in year 12 legal studies. And I was always really interested in it, but I never knew that there was a clear difference between the two because it kind of, these terms are often used very interchangeably. So the origins of these terms actually came about after the Second World War and during the whole Nuremberg trial where the um, people that were very much instrumental in the uh, prosecution of the Jews and during the Nazi period um, they were essentially um, punished and uh, prosecuted using these terms and how that whole situation came to be. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I hope what I said made sense. Um, so it's, I think, a super interesting book if you're uh, studying law, 100%. If you're interested in um, human rights law and humanitarian law, especially with these two terms because they get, once again, tossed around a lot. Um, and it's, de it's a dense book, but I think the aspect which makes this book so incredible and which is why this book was so successful 
was Philippe Sands has a very personal connection to this trial because he's a real living person. He's a guy in his 50s. He's a lecturer here in the UK. I believe um, he was teaching at UCL for a bit and I'm not sure where he is now, but he's like a fellow at Oxford and Cambridge and things like that. So he's a very well-respected lawyer and professor in this country. Um, And essentially he gets a um, invitation to go do a guest lecture at um, a university in Ukraine. And he goes on this entire journey to figure out what it is that connected his grandfather with the lawyers that appear in this book. So I should have explained at the beginning that this book is, um, it's nonfiction and it's about essentially how he goes on this journey to find out his, about his grandpa and his entire family line and how they were directly influenced and impacted by, um, the prosecution of the Jews and everything like that. So, it's, it's great because as much as you are learning about the story and this incredible journey, Philippe, was, Philippe Sands was also going through this journey. So you're like in this ride with him, on this ride, sorry, on this ride with him of finding, about, finding out about his family line, how his grandparents never talked about the rest of their family because... I guess it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but essentially the, all their family was killed off by um, the Nazis. So, and he, this guy didn't know about it. Like Philippe Sands didn't know about this reality. And the way that he writes is extremely, extremely detailed and also so profound because it's ultimately a story about his personal family. And these two lawyers, the most prominent ones that are that were instrumental in creating these two terms was Lauterpacht and Lemkin. A lot of the names in this book are quite tricky because they're Eastern European names, but let me just read you some points that I wrote down in this summary document because um, it hopefully will give you a little bit of a hook to go ahead and read it. So, what is the difference between genocide and crimes against humanity? To prove genocide, you needed to show that the act of killing was motivated by an intent to destroy the the whole group, whereas for crimes against humanity, no such intent had to be shown. So, in summary, and in like reference to that, the law protecting you as an individual was what Lauterpacht argued, versus a group, which is what Lemkin argued. So, I think Lemkin was the one that came up with the whole genocide argument. Um, And this essentially has like blah, 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 all this technical information. Um, But if any of you guys listening are interested in learning more about this book, please let me know because I would love to share what I gained from this book because it was fascinating. So another point here. Sands talks about how it is interesting how this almost hierarchy has formed between the two terms and genocide is perceived as the crime of crimes. Undeniably, proving genocide is extremely difficult and also as a result can have very unwanted psychological effects and consequences. It heightens the sense of us versus them, pities one group against another and makes it more unlikely for reconciliation. So, it's, it's a very nuanced and complicated thing to understand, especially if you're not interested in law. But obviously, this book isn't everyone's cup of tea. 
but for me I found it really good that I I felt really great about it and the fact that I stuck through and read it I was very happy so I've gone on about this book for nearly 10 minutes but I think that's indicative of how profound I found this read so yeah that's that now the books from here on out I read on my kindle so the first book that I read slashed listened to I guess was Becoming Michelle Obama's biography or autobiography and wow I got through this so fast partially because I listened to probably more than half of it on audible because it was really cheap to add the audible feature um on the on the kindle so yes I don't know if that's kind of cheating but honestly I still got through the book so um but I read everything else so becoming I mean This book has gotten so much attention and all for the right reasons. It is an incredible story of just a normal um, girl from Chicago and the incredible journey and the incredible hard work she put in to get to the point that she is um, now. And it was amazing for me to kind of read and listen because I'm not someone that's completely aware of American politics, if I'm being completely honest. I know the basics of the structure and stuff like that, but it's not really my area of interest. And I mean, a lot of people talk about Obama and blah, 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 blah. And I know that generally speaking, people had an incredible amount of respect for Michelle and Barack Obama just because of the human side they showed and how they were a family and ultimately parents and how they really fought through, I guess, backlash from a lot of people um, and paved the way to kind of make a mark um, for themselves. And more so in this book, I guess you really, really get to experience the nitty gritty details of Michelle Obama's upbringing and before she was, I guess, Michelle Obama. And I have just so much respect for this woman, like I always did, but this book has so many moments of like beautiful family descriptions. It has moments where the two of them had to really struggle through different aspects um, to get to where they were, the intersections between politics and how that really cuts into your personal life and relationships, about loss, about hard work about incredible determination, grit, perseverance, resilience, like the whole shebang. And it was quite an easy read as well because it's ultimately a narrative. It's ultimately a story about this incredible woman and how she got to where she is. So after reading this, I had I have just so much more respect for her and I would read this again, once again. So I think that's a really good sign. Um, East West Street, I would read again as well but it was just such a difficult book to actually get through that I don't think I'll read it again for a while especially because I've written these summary notes after when it was like really fresh in my head but something like Any Ordinary Day and Becoming both non-fiction books that I found were incredible to read because I don't know about you guys but I'm someone that is always super interested in hearing different stories about other people so for me it's like a perfect way (laughs) to be nosy in a way that's kind of acceptable if that makes sense and I often get that kind of fulfillment from reading different stories and listening to a shit ton of podcasts so that was becoming 
The next book was The Body Becomes the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Kolk. I think he's, it's a Dutch name, so I'm definitely butchering it. But this book was recommended by a guest on an In Conversation episode of Shameless Podcast. And just the description of it, I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. I'm going to read it. Because it's essentially about how we respond to trauma. And I have to say, this was kind of similar to East West Street in the sense that it was a non-fiction book that was really, really dense. I struggled to get through it. I thought it was quite repetitive. But on the whole, this was like an incredible, incredible, informative and eye-opening read. So this was when I was studying educational psychology. So I was already like my brain was already filled with all these different um, ideas and knowledge about especially children and their development and our long term memory and how we process sights and sounds and emotions and how we encode information and how we recall and retrieve information. Like it was just when I was really kind of bringing in all these different elements and I was just feeling so like educated and enlightened by all this new information that I was kind of really sucking in. So overall, like I said, it's about our response to trauma, but it made a really profound and great social comment about how oftentimes in in the Western world, the systems that we have in play in regards to um, really treating and nurturing and um, helping different people go through a rehabilitation process, if they've had a traumatic event such as sexual abuse, um, misusing drugs or having really, really awful family histories and accidents and other traumas, um, PTSD, you name it, it covers everything in this book, that in order for that true rehabilitation process to happen, there needs to be people that are more qualified to really understand that conventional methods of treatment will might not work. And this guy is a very, very um, profound and accomplished psychologist psychiatrist and just an incredible guy because he is ultimately a doctor like in order to be a psychiatrist you need to be a doctor you go through years and years of training more so than you would just by studying psychology so i i let me just get my kindle and see if i can um sorry for the external sound actually it's gonna take a little time to load and i don't have that much time to record um (laughs) but Yes, this is a, once again, really difficult read. Oh my God, sorry. Difficult read, but I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it took me a while to read. I think this and East West Street each took a couple of months, I reckon. And especially with East West Street, because it was like a thicker book. Um, I just couldn't take it around with me all the time. So I think relatively, Body Becomes a Score, I probably finished faster because I was reading it on the train. I was reading it standing up, sitting down on the bus, the 891, like, yeah. So I'm so glad I still suck through this because it taught me a lot about, like, how broken some people can be but through the right kind of support and constant process. It's so possible to recover and your recovery process and your 
um, journey to becoming a more stronger individual will not be perfect and you will relapse and you will have struggles and but ultimately there is scope for people to get like fight through this incredible trauma like I do have to probably put a little bit of a trigger warning for this book though because some of the stories were absolutely like really confronting so it's definitely something to be aware of you want to be in a right frame of mind to read this because you might reflect on your own personal experience if you've had some really difficult times in your life it might kind of bring other memories to the surface and that would not be very positive so it's definitely a tougher read in that sense to finally wrap off the books that I read in 2019 It was Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, another book that had been getting so much attention and hype, New York Times bestseller, etc, etc. And I actually finally felt compelled to read this book after listening to the In Conversation episode by ABC, um, where they interviewed this author and she's, you know, an immigrant from Korea who I think arrived in... America when she was seven so when she was quite young and oh my god I'm so sorry for for this yawning I hope it doesn't make you yawn so unprofessional but it's also probably because I'm just sitting at my desk alone and I'm kind of not fully awake but anyway this book if you're someone that is interested in learning about the Japanese occupation period in Korea and the kind of lasting tiff and uh, historical tension between the two countries, this is an incredible book. It's the only fiction book I read in 2019, which was like a huge change for me as well because I was so into my (laughs) dystopian books before this. Um, but it's historical fiction, so it could be a true story. But it follows uh, four generations of Koreans that end up living in Japan due to various factors um, and how Kore- these Koreans really suffered through ostracization. Um, ostracization? Ostra- <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Let me just search this up ostracization anyway i'll as i type this anyway i'm just gonna keep going they were extremely ostracized let's go with that i'm so sorry ostracized um incredibly um for being ethnically korean in a japanese environment and my god once again i'm yawning i'm so sorry i'm going to try and keep this short um, and how they go through generations and generations of suffering and despite incredible hard work, then this kind of notion of never truly fitting in, which is something that immigrants will all across the world will really relate to. It's something I resonate with a lot as well. But for me, it was just learning about the harsh realities of what my like grandparents and their parents' era more more so my grandparents' era, would have gone through under the Japanese colonial rule and how um, different people and the uh, cultural context shifted across these generations and 
what sacrifice truly means in terms of like raising your children and allowing them to live a life that they deserve so it's such a cool book to read as someone who is ethnically Korean and has a uh, has somewhat of an understanding of what happened during that era just because of my personal connection with my grandparents who lived through that era and um, it, it felt so real and it's such a gripping kind of story because it is fiction so you get really swept away in the characters you get swept away in the storyline you feel you cry you feel joyous you feel shocked the writing is so descriptive and vivid and detailed and just she has Min Jin Lee really did a great job of really exploring these stories of struggle and difficult and difficult times and hardship in a very respectful way it's not offensive at all to any party it's not existing to bash on the Japanese or anything like that but it has a sense of realistic storytelling to make a real social comment about the reconciliation that still needs to occur between the two countries and I was talking to one of my new friends here in um, Birmingham about this rough history between the two countries and I think it's one of the most important um, like points of history that everyone should know about especially if you're interested in World War Two and that kind of um, period between the end of World War Two and the end of the Cold War and how those different ideologies between the West and the USSR, how those two clashing ideologies really uh, played a part in like the Korean War and the split of North and South Korea, because it really was exactly the thing that um, caused the Korean War and caused this division that still exists till today and will still exist for the foreseeable future. So 100% recommend this book. I could probably read it again, not as much as Any Ordinary Day in Becoming, but still, incredible book, um, yeah. Alright, so that wraps the section about the books I read in 2019. I'll be back in a sec to tell you more about the books, or the book I have read this year so far, and what I hope to read this year. (laughs) Took a while to get my words out, but see you soon. Okay, so the book I've read so far this year is called Eleanor Elephant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Honeyman? Honeyman. Wow, Danny, words. <laughs> and this was a really great book. And I have never been able to like read that much of a book in like one sitting, but I think it was the first day of uni, which was two weeks ago. And I was like so sucked in this book and I ended up no it was the Sunday night two weeks ago and I fully read like 40% of this book in one sitting which is just an incredible thing for me and it was because there's like one turning point in this book that like really starts picking up the story so essentially the the premise of the book is that there's a girl called Ella a woman I I should say called Eleanor Oliphant and she seems completely fine but you realize very early on that she isn't she's got a very interesting and weird way of looking at the world and her like tone of voice and her like social interactions and just the way that she lives her life is very not normal 
um, and you feel that right from the get-go. And the way, way that Gail Honeyman, like, really uses this character to highlight important issues about, like, trauma and repressing your trauma and how eventually it will kind of bubble up in ways that you perhaps don't anticipate was, I think, done in a really beautiful way. And it ties in well with, like, The Body Becomes the Score because it's, like, a fictional story about the non-fiction elements that are talked about from, like, Bessel van der, van der Kolk's, um, like, personal experience working as a psychiatrist. So I thought in that sense those two books really went well together. It's another kind of trigger warning book in the sense that it's not for everyone because the story touch bases on such crazy, like, life stories and for some people it's going to be really um, triggering. So I do have to put that out there. But um, it was a little bit slow to get started into initially, which is what a lot of people have said as well. But I personally found the story extremely gripping and just a beautiful story about how ultimately someone who really cares about you, just as a platonic friend, can be the exact ingredient that you need to get yourself out of this um awful place of mind so it touch bases on mental illness as well um in a very nuanced and uh beautiful way nothing seemed forced about this book and this character that gail honeyman has created is so spunky so quirky so unique so blunt yet the way that you see eleanor's character development and how she learns to love herself and love life in ways that she had never done before at or at least before the situation i won't really spoil it too much yeah you realize that yeah so towards like the end when i was like reading this in one sitting i just couldn't believe my eyes with like the the storyline like it was just so incredible and it was nothing it was literally nothing like i'd ever read before so yeah, like I've read read like crime mysteries and things where I'm like absolutely shooketh to my core, but this was done in a very human like I was shocked in like a very human way that people can have this kind of um unimaginable trauma. So very much enjoyed it. Um uh, very much recommend it. The book I am currently reading, moving on a little bit, is called <laughs> Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, a classic. Everyone knows it. The movie was amazing. I watched it on Saturday night and it kind of compelled me to read this book again. I had read, read one chapter before going into the cinema, but mind you, I also read this book when I was 11, so I have read it before, but I just don't really remember. Um, Pardon me. And, yes, I'm very much enjoying it. And I will, let me just go through some of the other books that I anticipate to read and some of the samples that I've read. So, I read the sample for Sally Rooney's Normal People and David Nichols' One Day. Both have been quite uh, popular books um, circulating in the media for a couple of years as well. And, um, to be honest... I didn't really enjoy either of them. And I know, like, Sally Rooney's book has been getting so much hype and apparently a trailer's been released, according to the girls from Shameless Podcast. Um, so I'm going to watch that after I finish this recording. Um, but I don't think I'm going to read either of these books. I didn't enjoy the sample. Um, 
the other sample that I read was called a book by Favelle Parrot called There Was Still Love and it's about like a similar thing as Pachinko in the sense like a story of an immigrant's struggles between Prague and Melbourne in Australia and I uh, saw this recommendation on like a list of books to look out for for like a wrap-up of 2019 kind of thing. The other sample I've got on my Kindle at the moment is Dr. Richard Shepard's Unnatural Causes, The Life and Many Deaths of Britain's Top Forensic Pathologist. So I might dip into that um, sometime soon. And then two other medical books, Adam Kay, who is a, I believe, an NHS, like, junior, was an NHS junior doctor. Um, his first book, This Is Going to Hurt, and his second book, Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas. So about, like... He kept essentially diaries whilst working as a junior doctor and he goes through different stories of patients that he uh, was involved with and things like that. So I may get into those books as well, but as of now, I don't really want to. Um, Margaret Atwood's Testaments is also a book that I really want to read because I very much enjoyed Handmaid's Tale and I enjoyed at least the two seasons, the first two seasons of the TV show. I haven't been able to watch season three, but <laughs> Handmaid's Tale is so, like, low-key, psychologically, like, gripping that you can't... It's not just, like, a light watch. Um, the final book I will talk about is called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Another book that has been getting a lot of hype, but in a very much more positive way than the other, like, uh, young adult kind of books, One Day and Normal People. Um, it's like a fictional story that touch really touch bases on like race and um, class and how people can come together to work through like a seemingly really awful situation. So there's a lot that I want to get through, but for now, despite Little Women being a long book, I'm so keen to like read the book and find out different details because like already I can see what details weren't included in the film. And to me, I think that's pretty exciting. So that's it for books. But before I get going, I would really like to recommend two podcast episodes that I listened in the last three days. And they are both um, ABC conversation episodes. So the first one I listened to on Monday was the episode released on last Friday called After Triple Zero, A Paramedic's Tale. And it's about Benjamin Gilmore, a paramedic, and the incredible like career that he has had working as a paramedic. And it really takes you into the raw emotions of what a paramedic deals with. And I found it extremely eye-opening. And I've I really nearly cried actually because there's a really a profound story that he tells and um yeah it really got to me so and the whole premise of ABC conversations is to listen into a conversation about a really awesome person's life so you get exactly that so highly recommend that episode and then the episode I listened to yesterday is called How Sean Sweeney Found His Deaf Heart. Now, it's fascinating because Sean Sweeney was the first hearing-abled baby born into a family of, like, four generations of deaf people. So, like, his entire family is deaf and he was the first hearing baby. And so he talks about his life um, coming from this kind of family and being an Auslan interpreter and you may know him from being the guy that's been doing all the interpretation 
next to Shane Fitzsimmons at all the RFS um, kind of, what is it, press conferences. And he's been really, really important. Such a critical person in the news reporting um, sector for the fires especially um, because there is an entire community out there that is deaf and you hear about how well established some of these institutions are so that deaf people are very much just part of our community and I've always wanted to learn Auslan and always wanted to learn sign language and this podcast um, episode and this conversation really reignited that spark again because I learned very very basic like three signs when I was doing Sony camp um if you don't know what that is is state high my high school would run a three-day residential camp to essentially give parents of disabled disabled um kids a little bit of a break and I did that for two years in 2017 and 2018 in December in the December school holidays and um just getting like an intro to it was so incredible and it could literally be a skill that could save someone's life so I think it's something that we should all think about especially because this is a podcast and a podcast relies on you being able to hear Um, and I think that's a privilege that we don't think about very often because if you have the ability of hearing and sight and mobility you don't really think about it um I think it's true when we say you never know what you had until it was gone and something like that is truly um, an example of that. So I know I'm ending the podcast at a very like somber and reflective kind of note, but um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So all in all, I am super happy about the content I was able to get through last year and am really excited to continue using my Kindle to have access to like literature and a book so much more easily than buying hard copies. I still love hard copy books more than this Kindle, but because I'm always up and about, I'm living in a different country, I live in a different state to study, it's really difficult to take my stuff back and forth constantly. It's expensive, it's exhausting. So I'm so grateful for my Kindle and I'm so grateful that I have access to podcasts so easily as well. If you're someone that has listened to this episode that hasn't read in a while or hasn't really indulged themselves in the incredible um, things that are out there for free, especially podcasts, please let me know. I'd love to give you some recommendations or just have a chat about it because I truly feel like 2019 was the year where I listened to so many podcasts. I listened, oh, I read as many books as I could. And through these um, mediums, I was able to gain so much more knowledge about issues that I'm not necessarily learning about at uni. And it's not necessarily my area of study or discipline, but I feel like I've matured and grown and learnt so much that other people might not. Because this is the type of information that you truly have to want to learn about and to seek. So I feel very grateful to have had the... Uh, tools to be able to access this information so um i truly encourage you guys all to do the same thank you so much for listening to this episode i know um i was yawning a bit it might be a little bit boring because i'm just recording it on my own but i know that a lot of you guys would just like to listen to some of my honest thoughts about the literature that i got through last year and the things that i've been listening and reading so Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. 
I'm not sure what my next episode will be about. I'm not sure who it will be with. But I'm sure I'll be bringing you guys some exciting new episodes with some different accents, like I mentioned in my outro um, last episode. And I'm so excited for what 2020 will bring for my podcast and just for my personal life as well and how I'll be able to share that with you guys, my mates, my friends, my listeners, I guess. So have a great day, night, wherever you are in the world, and I'll see you next time. Bye.